Please rise. The District Court of Guam is now in session. The Honorable Kim B. E. Madison, Jr. presiding. Witness and Attorney, good afternoon. Please be seated. Criminal case number 19-00036, United States of America v. Jesse Mendiola Blas. Initial appearance on an indictment and arraignment. Counsel, please state your appearances. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Assistant United States Attorney Laura Sambatero on behalf of the government. To my left are the case agents, FBI agent Rafael Fernandez and U.S. Postal Inspector Connie Worrell. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Joseph Rosano on behalf of Jesse Mendiola Blas, who is present in the courtroom and seated to my right. Good afternoon. The court notes the presence of Mr. Jesse Blas. And so let me just advise you that the grand jury has returned an indictment herein, charging you in counts 1 through 4 with extortion under color of official right, counts 5 to 6 with the same offense, extortion under color of official right, and in counts 7 to 13 with the offense of travel act bribery, with the indictment containing a notice of forfeiture. Now, have you seen or received a copy of the indictment? Yes, Your Honor. All right. And today you're making your initial appearance before the court. And let the record show that I have received from you a financial affidavit in which you attest as true under penalty of perjury the information contained therein. So based upon the financial affidavit, the court will appoint Mr. Joseph Rosano, who is sitting to your left, to be your attorney. So the court is signing the appointment order. Mr. Rosano is hereby appointed to represent you in this matter. And we're here today for arraignment. So let me ask that you be placed under oath for purposes of being arraigned by the court. Please stand and raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thank you. Please be seated, sir. And please state your full name for the record and spell your last name. Jesse Mendiola Blas. Thank you, sir. And, sir, if I can ask you how old you are? Fifty-seven, Your Honor. All right. And in terms of your education, how far did you go in school? High school and some college. Okay. And are you currently or have you recently been under the care of a doctor or a psychiatrist or been hospitalized or treated for narcotics addiction? No, Your Honor. And, sir, have you taken any drugs, medicine, pills, or alcohol in the past 24 hours? Other than my prescribed medicine. All right. And having taken your prescribed medication, does that affect your ability to understand what's happening to you and to your case in court this afternoon? No, Your Honor. All right. And, sir, you've indicated to the court that you've received a copy of the indictment which has been filed in this case against you. Have you had some opportunity, even a small amount of time, to discuss the charges therein with your attorney this afternoon? 
Yes, I have. Okay. And at this time, let me ask you and your attorney whether you wish to waive reading of the indictment and are prepared to enter a plea, Mr. Rosano? Uh, yes, Your Honor. Um, Mr. Blas will waive the reading uh, of the indictment, and we're prepared to enter a, a guilt sorry, a plea of not guilty to all counts uh, contained in the indictment. All right. And the court will enter Mr. Blas's plea of not guilty to the charges against him in the indictment. And having entered his plea of not guilty, the court will set this matter for trial. Trial will take place on December 2, 2019 at 10 a.m. with a jury selection. And the court will order that there be an exchange of discovery pursuant to Criminal Local Rule 16, with the government's discovery being due October 1 and the defendant's discovery being due October 15. And the court will order that all pre-trial motions, including discovery, eliminate suppression and dismissal motions, that these motions be filed by October 29. And if filed on October 29, the opposition is due March 5, and the reply to the opposition is due November 12. And to the extent that this matter goes to trial, the court will require the government to file a trial brief hearing in accordance with General Order Number 16-0002, with the government's trial brief being due November 12. And the court will require the defendant to file a response or opposition brief uh, no later than November 18. Likewise, uh, the court will require the parties to file and lodge with the court all trial documents, proposed verdiers, etc., that these be lodged with the court uh, no later than November 18. And once again, as the court has said, a jury selection and trial December 2, 2019 at 10 a.m. And any motion that's filed will be heard at the pre-trial conference, if not heard earlier, which is November 25, 2019 at 9 o'clock. So once again, pre-trial conference and a hearing on all motions, November 25, 2019 at 9 a.m. And trial December 2, 2019 at 10 a.m. And the court is signing the trial scheduling order and asks the parties to be guided by the trial scheduling order accordingly. And in this matter, the court has received a report from pre-trial services that recommends uh, Mr. Bloss's release with the conditions therein. Uh, any objections to the, re the report? Yes, Your Honor, the government does have objections. All right. I may? Yes, you may. Your Honor, the defendant is here because he abused a position of public trust. This is somebody with two types of ties, ties to the political community and to the law enforcement community, but also to the drug trafficking community. Your Honor, he used his ties in the political community and in the law enforcement community to advance the interests of the ties that he had to drug traffickers. This whole investigation 
was undertaken with the use of a cooperating witness and informant but it wasn't done randomly or by accident investigators had information from multiple sources that the defendant was allowing drug traffickers to use the cluster box units at the Jonia mayor's office for the purpose of receiving drug packages we had information that he was working with drug traffickers and affiliated with them and that's why we undertook the investigation that we did and so this is someone that's used an official position to per assist in the proliferation of methamphetamine on island your honor the government considers him a danger to the community for those reasons we also have information about his ties to the law enforcement community this is someone who the former GPD officer a former Guam Marshal he still has ties to those communities he also has ties within the Department of Corrections he offered actually um, to take money from our informant fifteen thousand dollars in exchange for using his connections within the Department of Corrections to have an inmate released for a few days this is someone who uses his position to game the system and we believe he's a danger to the community for those reasons additionally our informant um, was threatened by the defendant when she stopped paying money to him he threatened not just to shut down her mailbox but he actually did threaten her um, in a manner that put her safety at risk and at one point a police officer came to her house because she did live in Jonia at the time and threatened her on behalf of the mayor this is someone who has a history um, he does have a, a conviction for harassment that's of a domestic nature from 2005 so for all of those reasons your honor because of the defendants use of his position of public trust and his ties to the law enforcement community to commit crimes and commit crimes that put the public at risk and the fact that he has engaged in threats to the safety of who he thought was a drug trafficker but was actually a government informant for those reasons we are asking the court to detain the defendant in the event that uh, the court disagrees with the government's arguments I did look at probation's um, recommendations and I just asked for two additional conditions um, that he do that the defendant surrender his passport um, we do have um, information that there's travel multiple times a year to the Philippines so that he surrender his passport and also um, it's checked submit to testing for prohibited substances if required so we'd ask that probation be required to drug test the defendant thank you your honor your honor my understanding is that miss mr blas is working he is an elected official uh, by by his uh, constituents he's lived his entire life on guam and he has many supporters here today uh, he, he would surrender his passport so that would not be a problem uh, so we do not believe that he meets the terms of a flight risk with respect to the issue of whether or not he's a danger to the community uh, briefly reading the indictment I didn't see any allegations of actual drug trafficking it, this has to do with post office boxes and some allegations about receiving money it's a nonviolent offense and so the presumption is release and so that's what we're asking for here today the indictment does reference um, use of the boxes to receive 
packages that presumably uh, contain illegal drugs? Well, I think that's the issue, presumably. We don't really know what were in those packages. So it's not a drug trafficking offense. This is an, a, a nonviolent offense. The government, though, has made certain representations to the court about ties to you know, drug trafficking based upon, I guess, the the initial contact and the investigation that was undertaken. So they have referenced that. And you know, for, for bail purposes, those are matters that the court could consider in, in, in reaching bail. Well, you know, I, I know that you're you don't have information as to what it is that they are representing to the court. They have made such a representation in that sense. Well, they've made many representations mm -hmm. without really any evidence. Uh, they've also said he has close ties to the uh, uh, law enforcement community, and they also said he used a police officer, or they at least alleged today that he used a police officer to threaten their informant. Yet I didn't see any allegations about that in the indictment. I didn't see anybody else get indicted in this case. So there are many allegations, mm -hmm. but the question is, is whether or not he's a danger to anyone in the community. I don't well, believe well, he is. See, those are the issues really that bear, you know, whether a person is a danger to the community. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, uh, a, it, it's something the government has uh, presented to the court in order to sustain, they have the burden of proof to show that uh, Mr. Boss is a danger to the community. And that burden is by, I guess, clear and convincing. So, so I'm just saying that that's, that's something I suppose that in the manner in which they try to show to the court that they've met that burden, they've made that representation to meet the burden that he's a danger to the community. I would also mention that uh, Mr. Boss has several health conditions which should require his release. Uh, several years ago, he had a heart attack. He's currently has diabetes and he's on several medications. And the probation office has, has recommended release. We have no objection to the additional uh, recommendations from the government of surrendering the passport and submitting to the drug tests. That should not be a problem. But if the court is thinking about confinement, then maybe the government should call some witnesses and, and let's hear what they have to say about this danger to the community. Because the presumption in a nonviolent, non-drug offense is release. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, <clears throat> Let's have a sidebar. Let's have a sidebar. <coughs> uh, I guess I'll hear from the government. Okay. Uh, yes, Your Honor. The government would call Agent Rafael Fernandez. All right. Sir, please take the stand and be sworn in. Please remain standing and raise your right hand. 
You just saw me swear that the testimony you're about to give in the case now before the court will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I hope you got it. I do. Thank you. Please be seated. And please state your full name for the record. <clears throat> My name is Rafael A. Fernandez, R-A-F-A-E-L, F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, good afternoon, Agent Fernandez. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And you're an agent, a special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, correct? Yes, I am. And how long have you been a special agent with the FBI? I have been a special agent with the FBI since March of 2011. Okay. And uh, what areas of criminal law do, you, do your investigations focus on with the FBI? So my investigations focus on public corruption and narcotic trafficking. And did there come a time when you opened an investigation into Jonia Mayor Jesse Blass? Yes. Okay, and why did you open that investigation? I received information that was privy to an interview of a, uh, of a female that was at the time under um, detention, local detention. Um, and she provided me with information that the Jonia Mayor, along with a number of individuals, were utilizing mailboxes in order to traffic drugs. Okay. And... Um, did she give you information about the mayor with regards to what mailboxes were being used? Yes, she did. Okay, and what mailboxes were being used? Uh, the information provided that the mayor used the cluster boxes in Jonia to traffic drugs. And that he controlled the keys to those cluster boxes? Yes. And he provided those keys to drug traffickers, is that correct? That is correct. And it was for the purpose of receiving packages of methamphetamine, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And um, going to that, did were you provided any information with regards to packages going missing from those drug traffickers? Uh, the interviewee told me that on two occasions that there were two packages that a drug trafficker was due to receive that went missing and that that particular drug trafficker felt that the junior mayor had taken the boxes. Okay. And based on opening that investigation, did you um, engage a confidential human source um, in your investigation into the mayor? That is correct. Okay. And um, what did you direct that confidential human source to do? Um, so after conducting the interview of the initial opening uh, of the investigation after corroboration um, of the allegation through cell phone uh, information provided by the initial folks. Your uh, Honor, if, if I may, can I ask what is the witness holding in his hand and why is he using it to testify today? Sir, uh, do you need to This is my case. Yes, this is just my case opening communication. Your Honor, I'd like to have a copy of that document. It should be in the discovery. But... For sure. I don't uh, know. Let, let me see. Uh, are you able to uh, respond to the questions without referencing this information? Okay. So based on the information you received, what did, what did you um, ask the confidential human source to do? So based on the initial information on the opening of the investigation, uh, we developed a confidential human source to engage with the mayor uh, regarding the postal cluster boxes and drug trafficking. Okay, and this confidential human source posed as a drug trafficker, correct? Yes. Okay, and this person asked for a cluster box, is that correct? That is correct. And this person paid cash bribes to the mayor for that cluster box, is that correct? That is correct. And when this person stopped paying bribes to the mayor, what did the mayor do? Uh, the mayor essentially threatened this confidential informant and told the informant that 
the mayor needed money immediately or the mailbox would be closed. Okay. Did he make any other threats to this confidential human source? Uh, the confidential human source did tell me that she felt threatened by the mayor because the mayor made a number of advances to the confidential human source. Um, the source was a female, and she felt that the mayor was making a number of different types of advances towards her. And did there come a time when the confidential human source uh, reported to you about a police officer coming to her house? That is correct. Okay, and what did that confidential human source relate to you? Uh, during the time that um, the confidential human source reported that, it was based on a, an activity, a law enforcement activity happening in the neighborhood. She said that a police officer came to her house and told her not to lie to the mayor or she would be in trouble. Okay. And um, do you have any other information that would lead you to believe that the mayor uh, poses a, a danger of violence to the community? Yes. What is that information? Uh, the information, uh, based on the initial case opening, um, when we did conduct the interview of the first person, uh, the that person had voice recordings on her phone uh, where the mayor essentially was apologizing for assaulting her. And he had been engaged in uh, potentially kidnapping of that person, as described. So, in addition, um, the, that person, the, the first person who um, predicated the investigation, had told us that the mayor, um, along with his group, um, also engaged in, in sex with folks who otherwise would have been uh, incarcerated, along with other uh, marshals. Okay. Is there any other information um, you feel is pertinent for the court? Uh, the one thing I would also add is as the course of the investigation and the mayor's contacts, uh, the mayor does maintain contacts with high-ranking folks at the Department of Corrections. Um, and as I think we said earlier today, uh, the mayor was willing to allow an inmate uh, to be released for a bribe payment. Okay. So that in itself is a very significant danger to the community. And that bribe payment was uh, $15,000 per person that would assist in the release, correct? That is correct. Okay. And um, the the defendant also has ties to the local Guam Marshals, Superior Court Marshals, correct? That is correct. Okay, thank you. Nothing further, Your Honor. Mr. Rizano. Thank you. Agent Fernandez, my name is Joe Rosano, and I represent Mr. Blas. Uh, you indicated earlier that there was a, a female of local detention. Uh, so what was she charged with, this female? Uh, off the top of my head, I do not recall. Um, I was invited to that interview by agents of the Drug Enforcement Administration. But she was uh, in the DOC, and she um, volunteered to do an interview. With the FBI? With the FBI, that's right. correct. What did she tell you on that day? Um, the interview was recorded, and the gist of it is that she maintained a personal uh, romantic relationship with the mayor, um, and that the mayor had beat her. Uh, him and several other people kept her in the house for, I, I want to say, three days, is what, what I recall. And who were the other people? Uh, an individual by the name of Joey Terlahi. Uh, and several others at, at a, at a, at a, I want to say a barbecue, and that she was very angry about that. Um, where, where was the location of this barbecue? I don't recall. 
Okay, and who were the other people other than Joey Terlahi? Um, geez, I'd have to listen to that interview. It happened some time ago. And the, so, as of today, you cannot testify to those to those statements. Is that correct? No, I don't rem- remember who else she said was there, but there were uh, females there. There were several other people there, other Guam marshals there. But I don't so recall specifically. Not, not just males. There were no, females course, also yes, there. Yes, okay. Yes, there were females. And what was the nature of the confinement that she described to you? Uh, she said she got punched in the face really hard. Um, she was taken. She was. She wanted to leave the place, and she was dragged into the house and kept there for three days. And who punched her in the face? The mayor. Okay. And the people who dragged her into the house, that was the mayor or was other people? That was the mayor, she said. And and others or just him? Um Again, I don't. The mayor was. The, the, I think what she said, and um, I, if I remember correctly, words the effect that the mayor's party said, "Hey, take care of your your girl." She turned around and she got punched square in the face. She fell down, and all she remembers is being taken back into the house. And this is the same female that went to go rent the cluster boxes. Is that no, correct? separate female. Separate female. Okay. So the female who went to go rent the cluster boxes, uh, tell me about the nature of the first contact with the mayor. So the female that rented the cluster boxes or actually engaged the mayor in uh, in paying and bribes at our direction. Um, she was just a junior resident. Okay. And how did you identify her to be the confidential informant? Was she also in prison? Uh, no, not at that time. Okay. Was she on some sort of probation? Had she committed some crimes? She was a cooperating defendant. Now, you testified earlier that you said some packages went missing from uh, the cluster boxes. I think you said there were two packages. Yes. Is that correct? How many packages did your confidential informant deliver? So... Or how many boxes would, did she arrange? Three. Okay, three boxes. And how many parcels came to those boxes, do you know? No. Were there actually methamphetamine in those boxes, or was it sham? Uh, there was not methamphetamine in those boxes, nor sham. So when the packages went missing, there was nothing in those packages, is that correct? As far I think as you're talking about two separate things. Okay, uh, we'll explain. The two packages that went missing were, in fact, narcotics that the initial complainant told us about from a completely separate drug trafficker. Oh, I see. So that had nothing to do with the arrangements that you had made with her. That is correct. So this is a different story that she told you outside no, of... separate. separate. You're kind of trying to bleed them in. So, so the initial complainant said the mayor uses cluster boxes, right, to traffic in drugs. Okay, the, the girl that got punched. Yes. Okay. And she told me that on one occasion, another female had two packages missing. Okay. And how do you know there were drugs in those packages? Because that's what she told us at the time. But you have no individual personal knowledge no, of that? No, I don't. Okay. Um, did she give the name of the drug trafficker that said he was upset, he or she? Yes. And what was that name? Lavinia Mendoza. Uh, you testified earlier about cash bribes. What, what does that mean? 
essentially, uh, when we provide a payment uh, to an official, a public official, in return for an official act. And in this instance, what was that act and how much was paid? Uh, it would have been the issuance of the cluster boxes and total paid, I want to say, somewhere in the vicinity of $15,000. Uh, the first female that we talked about, do you know where she resides today? I do. And where is that? She resides in Saipan. Okay. Uh, you said the informant felt threatened. What does that mean? That the informant felt threatened. Well, what did she say he said or did? I mean, how was she threatened? Did she just say, well, oh, I was felt threatened? First of all, the informant would tell me that the mayor would come to the house very often um, demanding money. Um, when he demanded the money, did he threaten violence against her or he just wanted money? Well, the informant mentioned to me that uh, the mayor told her that two things. One, uh, you know, if, 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 if you don't pay me, then we're going to have to cut off your mailbox. Um, okay, well, that's not a physical threat. Are there any physical threats that you can tie to your statement that the informant felt threatened? Yes. I mean, cutting off your mailbox is not no, a, a I was going to say the second act. thing. Okay, go and ahead. The other thing is um, when she told me that the mayor would, would demand to have sex with her, and a couple of times she said that she felt threatened by that. Did she ever have sex with him? No. So she just listened to what the mayor had to say, and then she turned around and left. Is that correct? I would presume so. Okay, so she never got hurt. She never returned to you with injuries. Is that correct? That's correct. And she never claims that she was pulled into the house and confined. Is that correct? Not the informant. Okay. So other than her telling you she was threatened with uh, having her mailbox cut off or these lewd comments, there's no violence that you can testify to today. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, the police officer that you say came to the house uh, in Jonia, what was the police officer's name? I don't have the name in front of me right now. Do you have it in your folder that's in front of you? I do not. So as you sit here today, uh, you can't tell me who the officer was that threatened the informant. Is that correct? Uh, it was at night, and we believe we've identified the officer, but I do not have his name. And when he said, don't lie to the mayor, <laughs> did he physically threaten the informant? The informant felt threatened. Okay. Was she injured after the incident? No. Okay. Was she taken to the hospital? No. Okay. Uh, was she confined by the officer? No. Okay. You used the term kidnapping earlier, and I think I understand now it's with respect to the first. That is correct. Uh, kidnapping is a very serious charge. What, what would you say are the facts and circumstances of the kidnapping? Kidnapping was the word that she used, uh, essentially leaving her in a room for three days. She said she felt kidnapped. 
Okay, so the kidnapping word is her word, not yours. That's correct. And again, you have no independent knowledge or any way to verify that that happened. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, thank you. Uh, you used the term uh, when you testified, sex with folks. Uh, can you explain that to me? Uh, so what the first person had mentioned to me was there were several groups, and this is part of an, an ongoing investigation, so um, I'll keep this under a separate set of subjects. Uh, Guam marshals that were engaging in sexual intercourse, excuse me, intercourse with females who had active warrants. How does that relate to Mr. Blas? He participated in those sexual activities because of his connections with the Guam Marshals. I think the term is um, a lewd term um, here. Were, were any of these described to you as violent in nature or consensual in nature? Uh, I don't know if I would call them consensual or violent. Um, when somebody is a marshal and they have an arrest warrant to arrest someone and engage in sexual activity to give that person some time out, um, I don't know if that would be, I would consider them to be either one of those choices. Well, I mean, there's always a choice. The choice could have been not to engage in those sexual activities. So maybe it is consensual. And, and if there's any crime there, objection. it would be the crime of the officer or the marshal. There's an objection. Your Honor, at this point, it's, he's arguing with the witness. Sustained. So again, I'll ask you, do you believe that those were, you know, forced sexual advances where there was violence involved? Objection, speculation. All right, I think it's been asked and answered. I think he said he doesn't know. The second woman, the informant, where is she residing today? Objection. Your Honor, we'd ask the court um, to not require Mr. Fernandez to divulge the location of that person. They've been relocated for their own safety. So we'd claim, we'd ask the court to not require Agent Fernandez to divulge that as that will seriously impact that person's personal safety. Ms. Rizona? Well, Judge, if I don't know where she is, how do I know if she's in any danger if Mr. Blas is released? They say she's been relocated. If she's in Saipan, like the first uh, person who they say is in danger, then neither one of them are in any danger because Mr. Blas is not going to leave Guam. So how can I possibly make this argument if I'm not told where she is. Your Honor, Mr. Rosano is asking for law enforcement sensitive information that could seriously jeopardize the safety of another human being. And I well, just let me, well, let, the let, me let me sustain the objection. The court will uh, inform the witness that he's not required to respond as to the location of this witness, but uh, can respond to other concerns regarding her safety. Thank you, Your Honor. I understand she's under government protection. Is that correct? That's correct. And describe the nature of that protection. Objection. Sustained. Thank you. 
Is she currently in danger today if she's in your protection? If I were to disclose where she is, she'd probably be in danger. Hey, but you're not going to disclose where she is. The judge just said you didn't have to. So okay. by, by that very nature, she's in no danger well, today. You answered the question. Your Honor, that's that's speculation. Mr. Rosano, I'm assisting the objection. Yeah, assisting the objection. Do you believe that the informant is in any danger today from Mr. Blas? Objection. Well, speculation. Judge, the, the government put up a witness. The government is I'm asking going to uh, the objection. Uh, the witness can. We're supposed to give an opinion whether or not what was going thinks the person is in danger. Do you believe that the informant is in danger today from Mr. Blas? Okay, I'll answer that question like this. I don't believe the informant is in danger directly from Mr. Blas, but I believe the informant is in danger from Mr. Blas' associates. And who are those people? The narcotics traffickers on Guam. And what are their names? Objection, Your Honor. Assistant. Do you know these narcotics traffickers? Personally, no. Okay. Uh, do you know of any violence that these narcotics traffickers have engaged in? I know of a couple of incidents of violence, yes. Can you tell the judge what they are? Objection. Sustained. Okay, I have no further questions. Mr. Mataro, any redirect? Not based on that, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, sir. You missed the challenge. Thank you. Anything else, Ms. Mataro? Your Honor, based on Agent Fernandez's testimony, the government has established that the defendant is a danger to the community. It's not just active physical violence, although we do have testimony as to the defendant engaging in active physical violence of a domestic nature. Um, it can also be the very nature of many of the activities testified to by Agent Fernandez, and a lot of them are ongoing investigations, and so we do have to keep them somewhat confidential. However, um, your Honor, the, the very nature of the fact that the defendant is abusing his position of public trust to advance the interests of drug traffickers, to advance his own interests, that puts the public in danger. Um, it, it, people, drug traffickers work with individuals like Jesse Blass because of his position, because of his access, because it allows them to do things that they would otherwise not be able to do and it allows them to do that in a way that allows them to go undetected. So in this case, it's allowing them to get drugs on island and into the community while escaping deten de detection because they're doing it under the guise of somebody who has an aura of credibility about them. That's what's so dangerous about the defendant's actions here. It's that his position and his use of his position to engage in these crimes lends these activities an aura of credibility that helps them escape deten detection by law enforcement. Um, had these individuals not come forward and had these individuals not placed themselves in a position of danger of retaliation, we would have never known that this was going on and there would be methamphetamine getting onto the streets of Guam to this day. 
because of the mayor and because of his use of position. And now going to the the confidential human source, that informant, uh, Your Honor, you don't need to physically assault somebody or say, I'm going to assault you for a threat to be implied. And continually going to somebody's house and making threats, demanding money, that can be enough for a threat. The threat is implied, especially when you have a police officer at that person's house because he has, with his law enforcement connections and with his position as mayor, he has the ability to send a law enforcement officer to somebody's house, to their doorstep, which is an added threat and an added implication, not just of physical violence, but if you can't trust the police, frankly, who can you trust? That's what he's saying. They're with me, they're on my team, and we can get to you. We can get to you in your own home. That is why the defendant is a danger to the community. Mr. Rizzano. Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> Your Honor, the testimony of Agent Fernandez was that the uh, original woman uh, who they testified about lives in Saipan. And so I can see how she is not in any danger from Mr. Blas because he is going to surrender his passport. He will not be able to travel. Uh, the allegations about Mr. Blas going to uh, the confidential informant's house, the testimony of Agent Fernandez was that he went to her house to ask for money. Uh, while she may have felt uh, threatened, there was no violence ever that occurred. Uh, and while he might have made some lewd comments to her, uh, she never was was forced to do anything. And, and the testimony from Agent Fernandez was that she, he supposed that she just left. So nothing ever happened to her with respect to these threats as, 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 as far as a physical nature goes. There was no uh, ability to even identify the police officer who they claim showed up at the confidential informant's house. We don't even know if that story is true. And they don't know the name of the officer. And all they can tell us is that he said, don't lie to the mayor. But she wasn't harmed. There was never any violence that occurred to her. And she continued to uh, work with her confidential or with her FBI handlers. There was also testimony that she's not in any danger. I asked him, is she in any danger? And he said, not from Mr. Blas. So Mr. Blas is not a danger to her. He then tried to fix that answer and say, well, she's in danger from his associates. Couldn't name any of the associates or refused to. But the reality of it is, is what we're analyzing today is, is Mr. Blas a danger to the community in the future as of today? Not what he did in the past or what connections they allege he may have had. And this case has been unsealed. The media is outside. Everybody knows that Mr. Blas was arrested and indicted. And I don't think he's going to be able to use his position to curry favor with his alleged connections with the uh, Guam marshals or other law enforcement. Uh, so I think that, that that allegation is just not a reality anymore going forward. So I don't think he poses any danger to anybody with respect to being able to curry favor with elected officials or curry favor with people at the Department of Corrections or curry favor with other law enforcement. And same goes with the, uh, you know, with his ability to, I guess they said at some point he paid to get somebody out uh, from the Department of Corrections. I don't think uh, the, 
the director of DOC is going to be assisting Mr. Blas anymore uh, with uh, helping him get people out of jail. So going forward, he's lived here his whole life. He has a pretty serious health conditions. He's going to give up his passport. He has a job. He is an elected official, a respected member of the community, regardless of what's been alleged here today. And he's no danger to anyone. So, Your Honor, the presumption in these cases when they're nonviolent and non-drug is for release. And that's what's required here today. Release with whatever conditions the court may require, uh, but release nonetheless. Thank you. Any rebuttals? Essentially, Mr. Rosano is asking that the defendant be released because he's a respected member of the community. He's a respected member of the community, that, and he hides behind that mask to commit his crimes. That's what makes him a danger. He may be a respected member of the community, but he's a menace to the community, Your Honor. Based on his actions, people do tomorrow what they did today and yesterday. What did the defendant do yesterday? He accepted $15,000 in bribes from someone he thought was a drug trafficker because he wanted money from someone that he knew was a cash cow. And he did it knowing that they were bringing drugs on island, and this was not the first time he did it. So for those reasons, Your Honor, the government asks, don't accept the defendant's promises of, I'm not going to do it in the future because what happens tomorrow is what matters. What matters is looking at what we think he'll do tomorrow based on what he did yesterday. What did he do yesterday? He used his position, and he used his facade of being an upstanding citizen and upstanding member of the community to commit crimes and to abuse his power. All right, let me have the probation officer and the clerk. Let me just stop there for a second. <clears throat> The issue before the court at the present then is whether or not the court should release um, the defendant, Jacinto de Leblanc, on bail or, or detain him. And because the offense that he has been charged with is not a presumption case, that means that uh, there's no presumption that he poses a danger to the community, which would require the court to detain him without any further evidence on the government's part. And the statute is clear that when a defendant comes before the court, uh, there's a presumption of release unless the government can prove that the defendant is a flight risk. The presumption there is uh, preponderance of the evidence or to prove that the defendant is a danger to the community by clear and convincing evidence. So the issue today is whether or not um, the defendant and the arguments appear to 
argue whether or not he is a danger to the community and whether that burden has been met by clear and convincing evidence. The defendant is charged in counts 1 through 4 under 18 United States Code section 1951. The penalty for that offense under the statute is not more than 20 years. Counts 5 and 6, the same thing. Their class is a class C felony. Not more than 20 years is the penalty. For counts 7 to 13, uh, these offenses are class D felonies with a term of imprisonment of not more than five years. So taking all of these things into consideration, the question that's presented is whether or not <clears throat> Mr. Boscos is a danger to the community. And the question really is how do we measure how do we measure whether a person whether a, a person poses a danger to the community? Is that measured specifically as to an individual or as to individuals? Or is that measured in a more general sense in what the defendant can do to the community or a danger to that community. So that's really, I, I think, the issue here. How do we measure whether or not a person poses a danger to the community? I've been argued that Mr. Boss poses no danger to two referenced individuals generally because one uh, resides in Saipan and the other, uh, the whereabouts are, are unknown. <clears throat> so to argue that there is no danger there uh, because the person is outside the reach of the defendant, the government seems to argue on a more general sense that the danger is there to the community because the individual has been placed in a position of trust and that individual, based on allegation, has breached that trust, that the individual has connection uh, to the law enforcement community, uh, more specifically referenced in the agent's testimony to the Department of Corrections, to the US, to the Corps Marshal's office, as perhaps uh, and and persons associated in the drug community. <clears throat> so there has been reference that uh, Mr. Bloss has um, assaulted the first lady. There's been reference that this person has said she was kidnapped, held hostage for approximately three days without her consent. Uh, there's been reference by another female that she has felt threatened, although not physically harmed, but 
a feeling of danger, of a threat in that sense. <clears throat> There's also testimony by the agent that um, the abuse of trust here relates to the use of cluster boxes that in a sense further drug activity in the community. So while that has no specific harm in general to specific persons, uh, there's harm in general in that conduct. There's the argument that, well, there should be no harm to the community because the matter has been unsealed. Nobody wants to deal or cooperate with uh, <clears throat> the defendant because now there's uh, unsealing of the charges. The government, on the other hand, argues that, well, you know, we can only measure danger not by what the future will be, but we can only measure and reference the danger by looking to instances that has occurred in the past. So it is this court's opinion then and conclusion that based upon the testimony by the agent, the references therein, and the harm that's alleged therein, that the government has shown by clear and convincing evidence that releasing Mr. Blas would pose a danger to the community. So the government, having met that burden, the court at this time then concludes that the defendant should be detained based on the court's finding that the government has met its burden of proving by clear and convincing evidence that the defendant who is a duly elected public official has used that trust and allegedly breached that trust based upon the representations that have been made to the court this afternoon. So the court will detain the defendant pending further proceedings here and any other matters that we need to address? Court's brief indulgence. Your Honor, uh, may I approach with counsel? Uh, certainly. Thank you. Well, the court has had a sidebar numerous times with counsel and uh, several issues have been brought up at sidebar, including the government's request to the court to detain uh, Mr. Boss outside the territory of Guam. Uh, the defendant has objected to such a request. So in light of the objection, uh, the court is denying the government's request today to detain Mr. Boss outside the territory of Guam without prejudice 
to such a motion being filed at a later date and the court being more fully briefed and more fully informed on the issue. The court's also concerned with uh, Mr. Boss's medical condition. I've read in the pre-sentence investigation report he suffers from high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, anxiety, and he's taking uh, numerous medications in that regard. So let me ask the marshal's office to make sure that he takes his medication and that he be provided with uh, the care that's needed in relation to his health. So pending other issues that will come before the court, uh, are there any other matters before we adjourn today? None from the government, Your Honor. All right, thank you very much for being here this afternoon. Thank you, Your Honor. Please rise. Courts in recess.